This evening, in one of the most slam-dunk casting decisions in movie history, David Bowie is an alien. In the wild, wild west, it's cowboys versus... dinosaurs? We hear of one lady's early cinema going life in Barbados, let's just say the king travels well, and we'll talk a film that gives Sean that childhood feeling all over again. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Welcome everybody and a particular welcome to Brenda and Mary in the ward that They Don't Make Them Like They Used To has adopted, Alveston. You are listening to Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. My name is Tosin and I shall be your host for the next hour and a half as we stay true to our title and examine a bunch of movies made before 1980. With me in the studio are Sharon. Hello. And Sean. Hi there. So, um, without with, trying to avoid the elephant in the room, how have your days been? <laughs> uh, yeah, not too bad. I've had that. It's been all right. It's been interesting. I've, I've listened been, to the radio a lot today. Five live talk radio and some other things. Yeah, yeah, so. they're, they're pretty good. They're good. Yeah. Well, I've been working today, so I have been outside gardening. So, and it hasn't rained. No, hey. it's sunny. It's been sunny, and it, it? the grass has dried up. So, hey, so I'm happy on both counts. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've just been like, you know, I've, oh, I got taken to breakfast this morning. That's always a good way to start the day. It is. Yeah, go yes. to go for breakfast and somebody else pays. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> love it. And then just been sat what down. What did you have? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, full, full fry up. Full, full English. Yeah, full oh, fry full up. English. But it, it's one, it was one of those fancy places and cows. So mm. it's not quite a fry up. If you get what oh, I mean. Right. Yeah. There's not that much grease on the plate. Not with Giles. What? Not with Giles. Oh no, not no. with Giles. Not with Giles. No. Unfortunately, I was going. I was going out with doctors. Seen as we're at a hospital radio station, going uh. out with doctors, and doctors have a very particular sort of taste. Is that, <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 say that. Uh, let's say, especially doctors of the island have a very particular taste. It's actually quite quite predictable. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, but it was it was pretty good. Uh, someone else was paying, so who was I to complain? Yeah, I was. Up. Yeah, I was not going to complain. Um, right. Okay. Cool. So onto the show. So what we do at this show, we're going to be talking about some great movies, and as uh, as we said, hello to Brenda and Mary who spoke to us about some of them, and we're going to start off with a bona fide classic, a film that across time people have agreed and said over and over again, this one has been fated. This is a classic. We'll go into a patient choice where we'll go into Alveston Ward and we'll hear what Brenda and Mary had to say about the first films that they ever saw at the cinema. And uh, then after that, we shall go on to our hidden gem, a film that deserves more than the credit it's already been given. And we shall end off with an exception to the rule, which is a film made after 1980 that is so great and so wonderful that this time around just makes Sean go, oh, wow, that's a film. That's a film. Sean, would it be, I said it gives you that childhood feeling because hearing you speak about this film, we won't say what film it is yet. No. Hearing you speak about this film, which will be the final film we talk about today. I've heard it, it seems like it takes you back to days of watching movies with your dad. It does indeed, yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't lying in the intro. I'm glad I wasn't lying. <laughs> so the first film today, this was uh, one that we got on Facebook. Someone got in touch with us on Facebook, a friend of the show, Glenn. And he picked this film. He had a whole, he said, this film, classic, love this film, go watch it. And this is, uh, it's the movie, The Man Who Fell to Earth, which most people would have figured out from the from the intro when I said about David Bowie being an alien, although some people might just have thought that was just life. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so The Man Who Fell to Earth is our first film, but to kick us off, because the uh, there's a story actually about this, about the soundtrack of the film, which I shall tell after this, but this song is actually used in the film, and it is Louis Armstrong with Blueberry Hill. 
That was a great impression. That was brilliant <laughs> toes, wasn't it? That was yeah, all toesing. That was just me. I just, I just had the, tr- I just had the backing track on. I just put the back track on. I just walked around going, "Down my blueberry hill." He's great, isn't he? Yeah, he's. he's uh, I mean, th- he's, he's fabulous. got the world in his voice, isn't he? He has, yeah, indeed, he has. And There's experience and sadness and joy, and everything's in that voice. I like that one. What's that? The love, the time in the world. That's a great song. That's the Bondian, isn't it? Well, it's, it's Bondy, isn't it? It's from well, uh, well it's, it was Jesus. written. It was actually written for a Bond film. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's the thing. It became a massive, massive, great hit, and nobody realised it was originally written for the Bond film. That's well, it. Yeah, well, I I didn't. No, there was a there was a train advert. There used to be a train advert, didn't there, with with that tune going on? Or, or was that? Oh, was there? I'm pretty sure there was. It goes, I see seas of green, right, yeah. skies of blue, and there was a train going along. Do you remember? I think it was a, probably a seventies advert. I think it was. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And of course, High Society. He had his. Oh yeah. He was corking in High Society. Why did they call him <laughs> Satchmo? Tozin. Oh, you it's it's uh, yeah. Satchmo is a short for satchel mouth. Because ah, it yeah. was it was a it was a commentary on how big his mouth was because he had a he had a very wide mouth, and so they called him Satchel Mouth, which got which got um, shortened to Satchmo. Ah, thanks for that. <laughs> Didn't know that. No. Yeah, it's, it's one of these weird things that you find out. I remember we had this book when we were kids. It was called something like Strange Stories, Amazing Facts, uh-huh. and it just it was almost like a kids' encyclopedia. But it had a whole bunch of information about a whole bunch of things, and it was just like well, I think a lot of it was just of mostly useless information but it's just one of those things that i just remember from there they were like such i didn't even know who louis armstrong was i just saw this picture of this guy with a trumpet and a massive smile and they were like satchmo it was called satchmo because he had a big mouth like a satchel and when he was a kid they called him satchmo because it was a satchel mouth brilliant brilliant yeah. I, I like mind you i like, like that <laughs> i was gonna say yeah books like that that tell you on, i mean i like the fairy tales the origin of fairy tales and all those type of things you know what? What originally what they because they they tell stories about things that happened in history, don't they? Some yes. of those yeah, fairy tales. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they mirrors to their time and what people scares people and what yeah. intrigues people and what. Same now, I think in many ways films have become the modern fairy tale because they reflect back to us, don't they? What we have, what the, what our society fears the most. Yeah. And I'd like to we... thank you, Sharon, for that segue. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was about to, I was going, okay. Well, Didn't we, that meet, I, was, I was like, I was like, hang on a second. We started talking about fairy tales. Supposed to, how how do we get back to films from here? <laughs> and you were like, and I was thinking, oh yeah, yeah. This is this film is kind of like a modern fairy tale. And was, and then you said, I was like, yes, thank you, Sharon. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so the film, The Man Who Fell to Earth, uh, you're saying a modern fairy tale. So this is a film essentially about an alien who comes to Earth because his uh, his planet has run out of water. They found out that Earth actually has a lot of water. So his idea is to come to Earth and uh, he's, he's come to Earth and get a way of getting all this water back to his home planet to save his family. Oh, uh, say, well, because he, he keeps having like regular visions of his wife and his kids on the on the home planet. But he comes to Earth and he changes, uh, to uh, comes to Earth to find enough water to take it back home to save his planet, really. 
And this alien is quite fittingly played by David Bowie because this film was made in 1976. And I think this is when he was at the height of his powers. And he was Ziggy, wasn't he? Yeah, Ziggy Star. I think he just finished being Ziggy Stardust. I think he just finished being Ziggy Stardust and it was... Uh, so this is David uh, David Bowie at the height of all that thing, where everybody probably looked at him and thought, this guy is a normal. This guy is, even if you thought he was great, he was definitely otherworldly. Yeah, because he had that funny eye. He had the eye that Different colours, weren't they? Yeah. Well, isn't one of them the pupils sort of dilates, permanently dilated, so it looks like he's got one black eye and one blue eye? What, David Bowie has that in yeah. real life? I think he's yeah. got... I thought one was green and one was brown. But I mean, yeah, they are. They, look, they yeah. appear different colours. Yeah. yeah, certainly. Yeah, we, uh, that, I know there's there's quite a few people who actually have uh, who have that. There's an actress, Kate Kate Bosworth. Yeah, oh yeah, Kate Bosworth. If you ever see, if you okay. ever see any of her films and you see like a close up of her face, she has two different coloured eyes. Wow. And it's it's one of those things that uh, uh, somebody I read it in an article that I was like, no, it is. Then I watched it and I was like, oh my god, she does. Yeah. <laughs> she has. To, definitely it's one thing you don't always notice, though, isn't it? I think it's. You, you take people's appearances for granted and someone's will point them out and go, why did I never notice that before? Yep, yep. Mm. Yeah, so so they, he, comes to, he comes to Earth and, he's, and that's his plan. But, so he comes in and he, his, the, the technology on his, on his plant is quite advanced. So he goes to a lawyer and he says, right, I'd like to patent all these things. And he essentially patents all this, um, patents all this uh, alien technology that he now brings in as like, you know, as products in the in the in mm-hmm. on earth and makes loads of money and uses all this money to build a spaceship and a spaceship that can transport water back to his home planet and so there's this whole thing about him where he becomes almost like a if we're going to draw a parallel with real life it becomes like a steve jobs type character where people are like how does he keep doing it he's come up with this new product it's such a great thing and all and so but at, all the while while he's trying to build this spaceship there's taking all this time so he's getting to find out about earth and he meets a woman who introduces him to like earthways and all that kind of stuff and he finds alcohol <laughs> which which proves to almost be his undoing because it just the and there's just like loads of scenes in this film which are just kind of like you know it feels it feels almost as if how do you say the word is e n n u i n u e n u i n u e n u e n u e where it just seems like you know he's just kind of like oh whatever I'm just gonna sit down here because I'm waiting for this thing to be built and while this waiting I might as well just have a drink and all that. and it's and it becomes this almost this satire and this sort of comment on the world nowadays and how this guy has a mission but the world just kind of like removes the mission and the world just kind of like dials it down and then he pretty much forgets what he's there for what his purpose is and it's about and then the film becomes a way about how almost the world we've built as humans destroys things and it's it's so it's well directed by nick rogue who i think is quite a particular director he is yeah he's done some great stuff he's done some great stuff the one thing i remember in this movie which i i said to sharon earlier one of the things that sticks out (laughs) in my mind i seem to remember i mean it's been a while since i've seen it but He's just in a room with like shed loads of, t- of yeah. televisions TVs, watching yeah. them all. And I was yeah. like, whoa, was he what? I could so wish I could watch all those. I could catch up with all those series and films. You know, you could watch about 10 films at once. It's all so like streaming re- this information, a stream, like a stream of consciousness, yeah, isn't it? It's yeah. just bombarding him with all these images. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like he, he, he with his fascinations with humans yeah. and with the world and everything. He just has all this, just trying to take in all this information. Mm. And he just sits in a room doing all this kind of stuff. And all he... Well, to begin, all he cares about is is this is the ship built yet? Then, as the time goes on, he just wants he just pretty much it's like he gets deadened with the TVs and he yeah. gets deadened with the alcohol and all the mm. fun stuff he's found on Earth. And so that urgency of taking of saving yeah. his planet, yeah, it's like being just the, the urgency of saving his, it just Passed it just away. slowly ebbs away. And I think it's um yeah, well the uh, 
the guy with uh, Nick Rogue, you're saying he's done some great stuff, but each of all these films, they have this sort of like weird austere look to them. Like mm. that, there isn't much going on. Going there on. isn't much. Yep. There isn't much. Um, the storyline is kind of like. Um, well, it's not even that. Not even that storyline is straightforward because every now and then the stuff that'll be he just immerses you in this world. Then every now and then something will happen and you'll be like, what? I, what actually happened there? I'm, yeah. I'm not entirely sure what just happened. What it's, was that all about? Yeah. Because I seem to remember the, these two relationships between an older man and a younger woman. And they sort of focus quite heavily on that in different parts, but suddenly it's all about these two relationships. Or in the uh, film. In the film. Yes. And yeah. then suddenly you're thinking, what, how does that fit in with his story? <laughs> and isn't one of them his lawyer? And then one the, yeah. the older guys, and it turns out that one of the other couples, it's his daughter, the lawyer's daughter. The lawyer's daughter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's got all this mirroring, and then there's this... Well, it's like pole. It's like magnets, isn't it? It's one way around they attract, another way around they repel. So it's, <laughs> it's these sort of two opposing and well, well, yeah. contrasting relationships. Yeah, I, I definitely think that Nick Rogue, when he makes movies, he does do things that are. Well, he has themes in there, and he has stuff like you know you go where you think about, and like it's 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 he feels it's one of these directors that I feel he knows exactly what he's doing, mm. but it might take you a while to figure out what it is. Yeah, to get to the same place. Yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing and he's putting everything there in front of you, but it might take you a while to actually figure it out. So I think that this film might not be everybody's cup of tea because I actually think it's more accessible than some of the other Nick Rogue stuff I've seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Think, I think it's I'm worth a watch. What other, can you remind me of some other stuff he's done? He did Don't Look Now. Okay, oh, right, yeah, yeah, that's with Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland. Yeah, he did, he did... That's quite a polarizing film as well, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, he, that's an odd film. Yeah, he did a film. He did a film where had Theresa Russell and he had all these different people, and the characters are only called the bombshell, the the player, and the movie star or something. But they're obviously based on real people. Like the the bombshell is obviously Marilyn Monroe, right? Played by Theresa Russell, and is this whole? Se- it's like three of them in a flat and they keep coming in and going out and everything like and it's this <laughs> is this really really weird little film that i just caught it and it is it's directed by him and you think it's is, is he trying to say this is possibly what happened i think the sports star is supposed to be joe dimaggio and i can't i can't i think the film star might have been supposed to be spencer tracy okay. but they're never referred to by name even though the woman is obviously dressed like marilyn monroe yeah. and, it, and it's just kind of like you're like what is this film <laughs> i don't know what it is i think i like it but i don't know what it is <laughs> and, you puzzle me. and i think i think that's that's almost kind of like his modus operandi he'll give you something where you think Okay, I think I might like this, but I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what it is. Mm. So at the at the end of the, like at the end of um, the man who fell to earth, I remember th- like you know what you're saying, okay, is it something about relationships? Is it about how we humans are a destructive yeah. thing and just dis- like this alien comes in, has no interaction with humans, and we totally destroy him. We destroy his purpose. We destroy his. Is it about that, or is it just about? how like you know purpose is pointless because eventually other things would take i, I don't uh, yeah i like this film but i'm not entirely sure what what, what it's telling it me is <laughs> yeah and i, I think in some ways is he supposed to be like noah saving his planet and then he becomes distracted and he's he's like no it's like yeah. as if like noah decided that hey the world isn't that bad after all yeah <laughs> yeah it, <laughs> it, it gives up on the ark <laughs> yeah it, it's a little bit if there's there's definitely so like a messiah thing in there it's like the messiah he's gone off he's gonna come back and he can't be bothered yeah <laughs> gets caught up in the gets caught in up the ways of the world gets yeah. caught up in yeah. wine women and song so it's yeah. almost like saying that even the most pure if you say that he as the alien he's like this pure entity as in he hasn't been touched by the things of earth yeah even the most pure of things can be corrupted, corrupted. or can 
fall victim to the temptations of I, I think the I think world. I think there might be something in there, but I but one thing I'll definitely say about the film is that this film, the the biggest strength of this film is David Bowie himself. Yeah, he's hypnotizing, isn't he? He he really is because he he just looks like this otherworldly presence throughout the entire film. You mm-hmm. totally buy him as this alien who is out of out of his time, out of his place, doesn't out of his depth, maybe. Yeah, yeah out of his depth as well. <laughs> yeah. Out of his depth, he thinks, okay, this is the way things are. I've got this kind of stuff. The bits where, I think the bits where, because he, he gets into his spaceship, he finally builds it, and he's going to go back, uh, fly off somewhere. And this, this is one of those scenes in the film where I'm not entirely sure what's going on. I'm not sure whether, it, it's not clear whether the people know he's an alien and are going, yay, alien, go back home, save your planet, or yay, alien, get out of here, we hate you. <laughs> or, or, or whether they just think he's like some Richard Branson type, rich eccentric person who has built this spaceship and wants yeah. to take off it's not clear what 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 they think but either way the government show up stop him from taking off and then lock him up and then there's this whole bit that's a little bit clockwork orangey where they lock him up somewhere and they, they lock him up somewhere and they run tests on him and every and there's this one line i remember where because he wears contact lenses he wears contact lenses to make himself make his eyes look human and they use x-ray stuff to do like a test on him and he goes no no oh fuse to my eyes oh fuse to my eyes and then they they do it and he goes that's it it's not going to come off now uh-huh. and you just and i just remember that scene it's like he just looks so broken and they yeah. both just look so broken i just think dag it's i think it's a really powerful scene but they both himself he said that he spent the whole film he was actually pretty much high for the entire film and on drugs and he 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 said i wasn't really acting it was the first time that they put me on screen and they just told me what the lines were and i just said them how i felt at that time <laughs> and so i think he's just it's just kind of like one of the i think probably one of the best pieces of casting yeah. in movie history ever that cool. lends that sense of otherness though doesn't it if he's completely totally. strung out and just you know dis- uh, detached yeah. from the reality or the world then yeah so too with the I think sometimes on drugs because they reckon Dennis Hopper in Apocalypse Now, don't they? they yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, he was, he was totally. Oh, man, you want to see it, man? He's, <laughs> he's like, he's like. <laughs> yeah, I think I think his character was supposed to be on drugs. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And was, I think he was totally. <laughs> he as was well. totally, totally on drugs. He was bombed in, in, in Apocalypse Now. But Glenn, thank you for that. Um, the man who fell to Earth. Uh, I I agree. I think it's a very very good film. Might not be everybody's cup of tea, but it is. Singular. I might have to check it's it out different. again. I know, I know, I've seen it, but it was a very long time yeah, ago. It's been yeah, well, since I've seen it. Yeah, well, see, for if nothing else, just for David Bowie. Yeah, just yeah. how how. Yeah, I do remember. Magnetic it is, is iconic because you can sort of picture it. If you think of the film, you actually can see him. Yeah, you, know, you can see know, him. Stood, yeah. you, see, you see him. So yeah. Okay. Right. Cool. And so, thank you very much, Glenn. We are now on to the patient choice section of the show. So I go into the hospital every Friday night. I speak to a couple of people in our pet ward, Alveston. Now, today, earlier today, I spoke to two ladies, Brenda and Mary, who are in beds opposite each other. Now, these are, they were very, they seemed quite friendly. They were both friendly with me and friendly with each other. I'm not sure they knew each other before they go into the hospital. But either way, they just, they just sort of started chatting. And so I spoke to Brenda first. And she was like, yeah, yeah, Mary, go help. Oh, can you help us with this phone? And help Mary out with her phone and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. So after helping them out with their mobile phones and fixing up their voicemail so that they could actually get the voicemails from loved ones, I got to speak to them about the early cinema experiences. Now, in a first for this show, Brenda grew up outside 
the the uk so we're going to get to hear somebody's first cinematic experiences outside the uk she grew up in barbados um uh, so uh yeah and we're going to hear what it was like for a kid growing up there 60 years ago but the first voice you will hear is mary's then followed by brenda's here is what they had to say sorry so yeah your name is mary davis yes and you were saying about your first time at the cinema first time at the cinema would be um, when I was a very little girl being taken to see the news program and um, uh, Mickey Mouse. That's about all I can remember. Oh. So, so long ago. Well, is that like the one, there's the one, I think it's Steamboat Willie, where he's on, a, he's on a boat going down a river or something yeah. like that? No, I didn't see anything like that in those days. Well, you just, you just remember Mickey Mouse cartoons? Yes, and there were probably other cartoons, but... Um, you know, you, you didn't, you, you, I don't know, I can't remember enough about it. It's about 70 or 80 years ago. 80 years ago it is. So. Yeah, I don't I find that amazing. Like yeah. You had to go to the cinema to watch the news. Well, yes, you did. You saw Pathé news in those days, and it wasn't on very often. But... Uh, I really can't. You know, I was only very, very little, and I don't really remember much about it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mary. <laughs> so, yeah, I so said my name's Tosin. Yeah. Oh, hello, everybody. I'm Brenda. Yeah, what so that do? Yeah, that, that's great. So can you <laughs> just tell me, um, can you remember an early film you saw at the cinema? Um, as a child, we used to go to the cinema to watch um, the childlike things. I can't even remember the names, but I remember that very often the filters would come on upside down. So as a kid, we would turn up and down, you know, to try and see the movie. Because <laughs> we used to have um, boxes that they used to call, coke boxes, to sit on, you know. Yeah. It, about 500 of us kids. We were only about seven or eight, nine, ten. This was in Barbados, by the way. Oh, in Barbados? Uh, yeah. Okay. And that was great fun. Because we all sat crooked, but trying to watch this upside down film, you know. But things improved as the years went by. <laughs> I'm talking 60 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so as years went by, did you keep going back and did you... No, not really, because they had uh, the things improved and uh, they had radio stations and the children would have children's parties at these radio stations which were taped and there were all sorts of improvements <laughs> and the cinema themselves improved, you know, they had decent seats and yeah. uh, things like that. I thought they put the film in the right way around. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, uh, with all that, uh, over the time, did you have like a favorite film that you thought, oh yeah, I just love this one? I can't remember, to tell the truth. Um, not really. I used to like Elvis Presley as I became a teenager. He was one of my favorites, you know. Um, but apart from him, I don't really remember any of them. <laughs> just that we had lots of fun throwing things at each other in the cinema and um, generally having fun, you know. Would you like us to play any Elvis song for you today? Any one of them will do. Okay, we'll find one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find one. All right, so thank okay. you. That that was oh, Mary and Brenda. Mary talking about going to going to the cinema to watch the news. 
going to and and Mickey Mouse and Brenda talking about sitting on Coke boxes because uh, that takes me back because I think um they used to come in crates. Yeah. Yeah. So they they used to come in crates in. Yeah, so um, they used to come in crates uh, when I was in Nigeria. I remember that, and you'd you know turn them over, sit down with them, and watch like a film and all that. She was talking about sitting down on Coke bottles and all that, and the film going in, and all of a sudden it flips upside down, and because they put fed the film in wrong, really is wrong. And, and it's, <laughs> so it's upside down, and you sort of sit down, sat down there watching it. And I just yeah, I thought they were they were great, great stories. <laughs> they were great, weren't they? What a what a fun lady she yeah. sounds. I bet she says I bet she had a, a, a in, blast. In a, yeah. yeah, blast. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was really, really, it was really quite cool talking to them. But she also mentioned Elvis Presley, and she spoke yeah. about Elvis. And I was thinking, oh, Elvis, and you know, sometimes the other thing she mentioned was um, about throwing things around, kids throwing yeah. things yeah. around. Yeah, you could imagine that. And and that just seems to translate whatever country you're in, kids will throw things. Yeah. That's, it. That's what they do. This. Put them in the cinema, turn the lights down, and yeah. Yeah, have fun, throw popcorn. But it was interesting <laughs> about the news. Um, what was the lady's name? Mary. Mary, Mary about was saying about Has the that news been because in the 1930s. Yeah, because um. When I talk to it, because I often talk to my, my dad when he used to sneak his sister out, my auntie, to, yeah. to go to the pictures. I used to, it was quite funny. I was talking to my auntie the other day and she said that what used to happen is when their mum went out, he would run up and see which way she went. And then he'd go back, get his sister, who was quite <laughs> young, and they'd run and go the opposite in the opposite direction and go to the cinema. And I mean, in those days, they used to show, he was telling me, they used to show, they would show the news, they would show a cartoon, and there would generally be two films. So it'd yeah. be like the evening. So you know b-movie yeah cartoon news pathé news like the like mary said yeah. and you've often seen sometimes you can see some of those old pathé news mm. that's with the cockerel you know yeah the cockerel <laughs> shows <laughs> Because okay, there's, the, even, there's even a, a movie company called Pathé that Pathé, has Cockrell yeah. as the... Yeah, still I, has I, think, it. I think it's the same it, company, is it? I think it must yeah, have been... Fr- it's, is yeah. it on like a mobile? And it, all definitely, yeah. They've been around for a while. Yeah. Because primarily they were news and I guess mm. they just... They do do films too. They, they, they do do films. But yeah, the Pathé, Pathé news. <laughs> <laughs> and it, the, the, the Queen Mary liner takes off from... It's all in black and white <laughs> and stuff. It's all those, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, so yeah, that's, that's great. Okay, yeah, so, I've actually been to... That, when I, I remember when I was young, I went to the thing and it was called the News Theatre. And it was in Curzon Road, I think. And it was a, yeah, it was called the News Theatre. That's what, what it was that, called. Was that yeah, that's what it was called. Yeah, in Bournemouth, yeah. Oh, cool. Curzon, I, it doesn't exist now, but. No. My dad tried to sneak me into a double A film and they wouldn't let me in because it said I was too <laughs> young. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, fond memories that. So, Mary, yeah, I can, I can I understand where she's yeah. coming from. Yeah, so, uh, and all of, well... Oh, I, back to Elvis. Well, yeah, well, yeah we're going to see... Brenda, Brenda in the 50s and the Elvis in Barbados and all that kind of stuff. I think, yeah, I, I quite like that. It reminds me, have you ever seen the film called Cinema Paradiso? Oh, yes. that is... That is an awesome oh, film. That is an awesome film. That, yeah, is, that is a fantastic film. That we need to talk about that at some point. I'm sure we have done that one before in one of the early shows. I'm sure that came up really quick. Music yeah, that, by Neymar I'm sure... Sh- well, maybe I'm wrong. Perhaps we just talk about so many films, but <laughs> we know. We've... I know on our Facebook page, on our Facebook page, we do have a picture. Ah, that's we, that's it. Yeah, yeah we have a picture uh, from Cinema Paradise on our yeah. Facebook page, and uh, yeah, great, great film, which we'll talk about. But you know that there's this whole bit in that where 
they have the reel and they're running the reel between two different villages and like yeah. like they're loading the reel up and uh, when she when she speaks about the uh, when Brenda speaks about the film reel going in upside down it just makes me think of that I'm just thinking about people going right for this reel I think that's right and then the film reel goes upside down and she she said that she just remembers that and for what she said they didn't bother stopping the film they just played it upside down kind of <laughs> and all the kids would be like twisting upside down trying to <laughs> trying to watch this film as it goes well I had a modern experience of that on TCM when it was first on oh yeah I remember we sat down one afternoon with my mum and we were watching this film it was a western and it was on and then suddenly halfway through it sort of seemed to jump ahead and we thought that's a strange narrative it's it's almost like there's a gap and then it sort of had the last it, the film finished and all the credits came up <laughs> and then the net, and it started again cool <laughs> and that? it's like they had those, they'd also had the three reels and they'd had the, the, the first the, sorry the second and the third one the wrong way around uh, so we watched the beginning of the film the end of the film then we watched the middle <laughs> But we did sit there the whole afternoon and watched it all, thinking this doesn't make sense at all. This film. Yeah, well, it's like now I'm intrigued. I want to see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we thought, well, how, how did he get from there to there? I and actually had found out. I had that once with the DVD where I was trying to get something off the DVD, but I think it had some sort of like copyright protection thing or something was going on with it. So it came up with the chapters, but it, it would play it, but it played all the chapters in the wrong order. Oh, holy! So and it was it was Shutter Island. So it was the first time. So I was kind of like. So I, I was like, okay, Scorsese movie. The film starts off, and I was like, okay, this is an interesting place to start the film. They're doing interviews. Then all of a sudden, the credits go, and I'm like, okay, right. yeah, all right, fine. The next thing, Leonardo DiCaprio's on a hill. <laughs> He's on a hill, like in a <laughs> rainstorm. And I was like, this is. I'm like, I understand. This could be Have a. I put this it, on shuffle. You know, yeah. No, no. I actually thought this could be a nice stylistic choice that he's trying to do here and like move things around. Then after all, I was like. No, this is just plain out of order. Yeah. <laughs> it's plain out of order. Of course, most films are digital now, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Celluloid, you don't get You don't get the three reels You don't get anymore. the... Which really was... Yeah. You don't get that anymore. I, th- I think there's a few people still shooting now. And, well, Tarantino did with Hate for Late, didn't yes. he? Shot that on 70. Oh, well, yeah, they still did. Oh, and also, also, the movie that we all loved this year, Batman vs. Superman. So that was shot, that was shot on, on film. 35 mil. Oh, was, was it, it right? Was, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. What a waste. What about IMAX? Or was that digital as well? IMAX. I know, I, IMAX, I, they, I know they have IMAX cameras. Yeah. And you can make yeah. IMAX. You can make it either film, you can make it digital. Like Christopher Nolan, he is, he just wants to shoot on film. Yeah. So the Batman movies, the last ones, uh, the Dark Knight uh, trilogy, those are shot on film. And he always shot them in IMAX format. So you can shoot IMAX in film and you can do it digital because other people do so it. So you can do it both ways. You yeah. can do it both, both ways. ways yeah. So I think I think IMAX is just about how big it is. I think yeah. it's supposed to be 70 mil or something like that. Oh, right. goodness. Yeah, so it's... Uh, anyway, but... Brenda, thank you so much for your stories. Thank you, Mary, for your stories. And Brenda, in honor of what you said about the king and how he travels all the way to Barbados, I think that's actually the plot of one of his films. Probably is. <laughs> but, a blue Barbados, probably. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, probably should have found that. But here is, uh, he, we decided to play a song from the first ever film performance of Elvis Presley, well, his first ever leading role. And this is Jailhouse Rock from the movie Jailhouse Rock. Uh, I had a kind of a vacation with a bunch of men in a big place away out yonder, and while I was there, well, these, uh, these men, kind of guests, you might say, uh, well, we'd get together and horse around a little bit and sing, and because we were having such a good time. And uh, well, we always had a lot of fun with this one. The Jailhouse Rock. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, uh, Jailhouse Rock from the movie Jailhouse Rock, Elvis Presley's first lead role in a movie. So yeah, I think like um, I, well, I have a soft spot for that song because it's the song that finishes my favorite film of all time, The Blues Brothers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and that's the first time I actually ever heard that song before I even knew who Elvis was. So it's uh, pretty good. Thank you very much for that, Brenda. We now go into the section of the show where we talk about a hidden gem, a film that is that needs to get more of a more, more love, more of a recognition. And this is a film that I have heard about, and I've heard about it as a bit of a curio, and I've never actually watched it. But thankfully, we have Sharon and Sean who've seen the film, Yay. haven't you? Yeah, don't yeah. Harry Howson. How could I mean Harry Made Harry Howson yeah. films? Okay, his cool. last film, by the way, I think. All right. So, would you like to would you like to tell us uh, where, where, would you like to tell us what film it is chosen by friend of the show Dan Freezer? Do you want me to go with this? Yeah, you go with it. I'll start it off and then you can take over. Oh, well, but it's called yeah. the Valley. Now, the pronunciation here is, well, I'll do both ways. Valley of the Guangi or Valley of the Guangi. I call it the Valley of the Guangi. I call it Guangi. Guangi. You can choose how to do it, really. So Valley of the Guangi, and it's basically cowboys versus dinosaurs, as you summed up brilliantly in your intro yeah. today. But basically what it is, it's this Wild West show that comes to the sort of the border towns like New Mexico and is it Texas, and they find this curiosity, this tiny little horse, which is actually a dinosaur, an Eohippus. Oh, right. And there's with this sort of paleontologist and going, oh, yeah, this is a really curiosity. This should have been extinct 100 million years ago. And so then they begin to explore about where this Eohip has come from. And they find out that there's this hidden valley, this mysterious valley that's been cut off from the rest of the world for millennia. And it is a hidden valley full of dinosaurs. And this Wild West show discover this Eohippus and they're going to use it as like an exhibit in their Wild West show. And then they decide that if there's this dinosaur, maybe there's more more interesting dinosaurs that they can make a feature for the Wild West show. And so a group of them go to this valley, they find their way in, they decide they're going to capture the T-Rex and bring it back for the Wild West show. And they do manage to capture it and they bring it back and then obviously chaos ensues as it would normally do if you'd capture a (laughs) T-Rex. I think, honestly, but that's it in a nutshell. That's your know, chaos ensues because cowboys don't know when to leave well enough alone. <laughs> so so the, the moral of the story is if you're a cowboy and you find a T-Rex, leave it alone. Leave it there. <laughs> um, but it's that, it's, a, it's that blend, isn't it, of the two genres, the cowboy film and the Lost Valley type film. And this is a time when we had like the Lost World, Arthur Conan Doyle, mm-hmm. and it sort of works on that thing that, you know, in the, these sort the of... Land that time the forgot. land that time forgot with old good Doug McClure. That <laughs> <laughs> you know, Hi, any everybody. film with Doug... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any film with Doug McClure and it normally ended up with him falling into a valley or climbing up to this, you know, a, a dead volcano and finding dinosaurs living there. So, yeah, they find these dinosaurs in this lost world, hidden valley land that time forgot place all right and then they yeah they interfere but all the dinosaurs uh, as we said uh made were well, they were these clay stop motion figures that mm-hmm. were done by ray harryhausen yeah better known for like his simbad films and, and the jason and the argonauts, the, argonauts the, the, the skeleton the fight. fighting skeletons yeah, yeah and the, the gargles and the harpies and things but this is all you've got like a stegosaurus in here 
fighting a triceratops yeah because they have to shoot they tried to shoot the the triceratops you know that's the classic like no matter what films you see generally all all in the old version it's a triceratops versus a trianosaurus rex oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to use old horns you know yeah you've got this image of this yeah there's a pterodactyl as well fighting with a man on a horse doesn't he take a boy away yeah, he carries off someone, carries off this yeah. chap, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's the basic plot. So, and there's a. F- yeah, so carry, carry no, on. No, no, no I was going to say. You see, I think this film was there was a film called Twenty Million Miles to Earth, which is it's very similar plot, but it's just a creature comes from down from space and gradually grows really, really quick. You ever seen that? Don't think and I have. Fights, fights an elephant at the end. I think I'd remember that if I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Twenty Million Miles to Earth. Maybe we should talk about that. It was a sci-fi one, but. It's a, it's a similar sort of vein where, but but this is captured, isn't it? It's like the King Kong thing. and Yeah. I mean, that's... That, you take something like, out of its environment yeah. and then you try to make a show of it and it doesn't like it. Doesn't like it. They no. don't like it. <laughs> but they all stop motion stuff. That's, that's, that yeah. still stands up today. Wow, well, I don't know. Yeah, and you do but, get this. They're slightly different colour, aren't yeah. they? The light hits them differently yeah. and then suddenly you get this cowboy like, galloping by <laughs> and shooting at them. Yeah. And they don't like that either. No. That's true. Yeah, well, for the time that... Yeah, sorry, you were going to say. I was just going to say, it is, an, it is an interesting film for the year, and it's definitely, you know... It's a, bit, like, it's a piece of pure kitsch, isn't it, really? It is. It's a, it's a, can, you, can you imagine trying to pitch this to someone? We're going to have this amazing <laughs> film, and it's about these cowboys in a Wild West show getting some dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the, 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 the thing is, I can actually imagine that. I can imagine it <laughs> because I can imagine the pitch. Like, you know, you were talking about, I, I'm not sure what year this film was made in, but it is, I know, I know we... 68, I think. Yes, I meant to look it up, but I, I didn't. about 68. I think. Okay, around about 68. 68. So you know how we've been talking, We obviously with you guys loving, you guys on your Western thing, and yeah. we've spoken about how Westerns were like the popcorn movie of the day. Yeah. And like, you know, they were like the main thing. I can imagine that Westerns are the main thing. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, Oh, the kids aren't really into the westerns anymore. They're all about the monster movies, all about the King Kong and the Lost World. It's like, okay, listen to me here. Hang on <laughs> me for a second. Imagine Stay with if we, me. yeah, imagine if we took the Wild West and we brought the dinosaurs together. <laughs> Do you know what? I think that a lot of pictures still go like that today. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. So. I'm sure. Do you ever remember the comic? Would you ever know the 2000 AD comic? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the 2000, 2000 AD. I am yeah. certain. In the really early series, there was a similar vein, but they, they it wasn't just one creature. It was like the cables went back to harvest. They were like cattle. And, you know, they used to sort of, you know, like on the driving range. And yeah, yeah, some, yeah. some of them looked like they'd be a big stampede and they'd go out of control. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a story in that. So I'm going to have to check that out again. Oh, check that out. Early 2000 AD was like mainly, was massively influenced by the Valley of the Guanji. Yeah. Yes. Or, or the other way around. Zarzag, Earthlings, or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. What? Zarzag, Earthlings. That what? sounds good. What was that? That's what he used to say at the beginning, wasn't it? The uh, the editor who was. Oh, yeah. Zog the Mighty, or whatever his yeah, name was. Yeah. <laughs> it was a sort of alien dude. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, uh, so with this, what are the Guanji? Oh, Gwangi. They're, uh, they're the lo- what the locals call these creatures that are in the valley. Oh, so the, lo- the locals know about them, but just keep them like Yeah, they just keep out of the way. They leave them alone. Hmm. I think actually the T-Rex might be called Gwangi. That might be his name, but it's yeah. like a term for these. All the locals are like, you know, oh, you don't go that valley. Or, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, 
We it's don't like it. They don't like it. There, yeah. yeah, strange things happen if you well, go in there. Do you know there. what? We better go and check it out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm a cowboy. <laughs> I'm a cowboy. I'm a big rough tough I'm cowboy. cowboy. Ain't nobody gonna tell me not to go down there. <laughs> I can sell some tickets off the back of this. <laughs> 69 was a year, by 69. the way. 69. 69. Yeah. Oh, that fits because the, the, there's a female lead in it, and she's got that. You know, she's supposed to be a Victorian lady, but she. Her hair and her clothes are more mm. like a 60s starlet than. Because oh. I think James Franciscus is in it. In the yes, he well. is. He's yeah. There. I mean, he, he was, I'm sure he was in Beneath the Planet of the Apes. I'm sure James. Oh, right, James you know those. the second Planet of the Apes films where he, yeah. he lands, and I'm, I'm fairly sure that was James Franciscus. So he must have been real popular around the time because that would have been. Well, that been the same year. Well, it's ticket, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah been, like, go yeah. into a place, find a whole bunch of creatures. Yeah, put some cowboys in there. Sounds like, yeah. because I mean, uh, when we talk about that, it's like a couple. Well, I'll say a couple of years. It's probably about seven years ago now. There was a movie, Cowboys and Aliens. Yes. Yeah. Daniel which, Craig. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Craig, Harrison Ford, Olivia, Olivia Wilde. And I think like that film, it seems like it was a similar kind of thing. It's like, you know what we've never seen on screen yeah. before? We've never seen cowboys and aliens in the same place. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that film that film needed more of a sense of fun. Yeah, that's it. it. It's got it, to recognize its own ridiculousness, which well, Guanji does. Yeah, which is what it sounds like Guanji does that and doesn't set out yeah. to be anything else but like a silly romp. Yeah. A silly romp. But I think that film was just a bit too serious for its own good. Yeah. But it's, um, the only thing missing from it really is Doug McClure. <laughs> Doug McClure, yeah, he popped up and everything, doesn't he? <laughs> Doug McClure just shows up. He knows how to fight a dinosaur. Hi, everybody. I'm Doug McClure. You might remember me from such dinosaur starring movies as. <laughs> don't, don't they call him Troy McClure? Yeah, they call him Troy McClure. In The Simpsons, it's Troy McClure. Hi, everybody. I'm Troy McClure. But anyway, you were talking about the capture. I think the capture. Well, the stop motion capture. Was that what it's called? The claymation? Yeah. Yes, yeah, stop, stop, stop motion. Stop motion. Yeah, by Ray Harryhausen, who was just like, you know, uh, with the, is it, he's just like a grandfather of that sort of like of he monsters is, yeah. in cinema uh, yeah. so much so like are you seeing the movie Monsters Inc Monsters Inc yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Monsters Inc you know it's all about all these monsters who live in this sort of town and uh, Monstropolis and all that the, the the restaurant that they go to is called Harry House. Harry Housen, yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> the restaurant it's it's like Good one nod. it's one yeah. of those little nods where like and a whole bunch of monsters and they call the they call the restaurant Harry Housen's. But yeah, here is uh, some music from the Valley of the Guanji and it's the capture of Guanji himself, I believe. From the Valley of the Guanji soundtrack capture of the Guanji. Now we go into the bit of the show where we talk about a film that was made after 1980, but is so great that it could be named that it could be just it could just stand at any time. And now I'm going to leave Sean to introduce this one and to take away telling us about what the film is and why you think it's so great. Okay, now this film, very recent film, film came out last year, um, and it's a, a war movie. There you go. Creature of habit. Western more. <laughs> what more can you say? Um, and this film stars Brad Pitt um, and it's Fury and it's about life in a Sherman tank. Now, I must say that in the space of probably the last year, I've probably watched this five or six times wow. on, on, you know, you know, at the cinema twice. And like you were saying earlier about with my father, I took my father to see it when it first came out. We actually went to the cinema mm. Um and I mean, he really, really enjoyed it too, except for one bit he thought was a bit 
because you know we're very critical of you got to get the details spot yeah. on but um for me this film and some of the other films i've had on there this has got to be one of my top films i think this is probably my number four film three four top film i just think it is everything a war film should be and it's got that like most like the wild bunch like everything out it's got a a, a bunch of fellas in a situation and it's got some comic moments, you know, and, and there's scenes of sort of intense excitement. And then after the intense excitement, there's like when everybody's, it's, you know, they're starting to come down a bit and they're laughing. And I think the action scenes are absolutely brilliant. It's realistic. It's a bit gritty, a lot of swearing. And I just think Brad Pitt in this is absolutely brilliant. I think he's outstanding. Well, I think he's, a, I think he's an outstanding actor. Yeah. Everything he plays in, you know, from Troy to... Um, Twelve monkeys. Twelve monkeys. I I think he's he's absolutely phenomenal, and I Fine think enough. he's the son of Robert Redford. Because <laughs> when I saw when I saw um, Moneyball, which yeah. was about a he, he he just looked like Robert Redford. I was thinking that's Robert Redford. So maybe he's got some of Rob, Robert Redford's genes somewhere. Because Robert <laughs> Redford's a good actor too. But back to the film. I mean, the the action scenes are so intense, uh, and and so much action. It's it. It's, it's brilliant I I think it's uh, for me I think it surpasses Saving Private Ryan have you actually seen it yes uh, I have you have yeah and what so, was your thoughts sorry was, did you say you think it's above Saving Private I Ryan I think it's for me personally I think this film is I, I rate I mean I love Saving Private yeah, Ryan it's certainly Saving the Pri most obvious comparison isn't it the, the, yeah. the more recent yeah. war films you'd think it's it's up there with Saving Private Saving yeah, Private yeah it's, it's definitely up there with Saving Private Ryan but, uh, but what uh, I really like is the when they're in the tank you know it's a small confined space man you're really something and you know without the language is a bit profound but, um, <laughs> okay so, so with that i mean just just before sharon just before you go off and say so what you think about the film because i haven't seen it i've just heard of i know brad uh brad pitt plays a character called war daddy war daddy yeah and i think and it, there's something about the fact that he has all these it's supposed to be like kids or they're, they're, they're all younger than him, so the whole idea of calling War Daddy is like, he's their father at war or something. There's only... Well, no, basically what it is, the, the, the tank crew that he's been with mm -hmm. have, have been with him more or less since Normandy. They've been through everything. But the, one of the members of the tank has been killed. And replaced. And replaced with a by man. with a young man who's like... He goes, but I'm a typist, you know. I, I've, I, he, he's, he wasn't... They just sort of grabbed the first man and so he goes, right, okay, get in there, clean up that tank, you're driving... And it's just his experience, and he's thrown into it. Yeah. And he's like, I can't do this, I can't so do this. So in many this. ways, we see the film through his eyes. Through his Jason. eyes. So yeah. it's through this young one. He's the one who gets to work out who the crew members are, because there's one who's like overtly religious. There's Bible. one, yeah, there's the, obviously Brad Pitt's character. He's like the, the, the father mm. of the crew. Yep. There's the really like crude and profane one that you think, you're just Coon awful. <laughs> Coon and house. they've all got this sort of different dynamic, but they all work together when they're within the tank. Okay. And so you see it through his eyes, and you see the horror of war through his eyes because he's obviously experienced. He's not someone who expected to be on the front mm. line and in pitched tank battles. And so you experience the film through his eyes in many ways. He's your way in. Yeah, and and he becomes actually becomes part of the the team, yeah. if you were. He becomes hardened after a while and becomes immune to the horror and the the, the yeah. violence that goes on around it. Be, be, becomes like them really you know they like you know oh this is this is what yeah this is how it is the this loss is what of innocence in yeah. some loss ways. of innocence yeah that, this, is, that, that, this is just what life is like that, this yeah. is when you're in war 
they kill us, we kill them, you know, and then it'll go on like that until it stops type of thing. So, you know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. But there's some great, you know the scene I like, which, which says everything about him, is when they first go up and he goes, oh, how many tanks you got? Oh, three. They promised me ten. You know, and he goes, uh, you know, I need you to get my men out. And the, um, War Daddy says to him, Brad Pitt says, oh, I'd like you to come. He goes, I know who you are. I know you can do it. And he just sort of lets him get onto it. So he's obviously got, Brad Pitt has obviously got this reputation. As being oh, so, so, what, so War Daddy has been promised ten tanks. No, basically it starts off, there's... They said, okay, you've got to go and relieve these, or, or you've got to assist these these infantry yep. and engineers. Yep. Um, and there's four that start off, but three actually get to the destination. And obviously they, they said to the guy, they promised him 10, but he's only got three. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm trying to think, put, in, put it into like a context. It's in 1945, isn't it? So 45, towards the end of been, the war. Towards yeah. the end of the war. So they've been fighting on mainland Europe for well over a year. And these are the people who've been at the front end from the Battle of Khan right up through the... Uh, the, is it the, through the wilderness, uh, whatever the, the, the battle is, I'm trying to think. In the, the, the fight, they've been fighting through the winter anyway. Now this is coming towards the end of the winter, and they're just hitting to the, the sort of getting towards closer to Germany and coming up against you know, the other They're in, they're in Germany, those, aren't they? They're actually people, in Germany. Yeah. They're actually on German soil, and and there's a terrific scene in it where with all the the B, B, all the bombers going, all the B-27s yeah. all taken off, and they look up in the sky and it's all like that's in the trailer. So. Oh, because at the moment, I'm looking at the poster of the film and it, it has, the tagline is, war never ends quietly. Yeah. So is that is that like a big thing about the film, about the war ending? Yeah, that they were fighting right to the end. I right mean, you don't the see end. the end of the war in the film, do you? No, you don't. you don't. So you, it is it's like saying that even the war, we know that the war is going to end in May. They don't. So there's just fighting and fighting right on, even right, right through into Germany. And I mean, I, mean, I yeah. think that's the thing thing with with actual battles when, when it comes to tactics and strategy most of the battles would, would be fairly localized and the people that the, the soldiers that are involved in the battle would, would have no idea of what was going on anywhere else yeah. and and i think that's the same through history it's just like a microcosm of what's going on in that particular yeah you don't see the wider picture you only see the through the eyes of this tank yeah. crew and they meet other tank crews and you get these meetings and then they they yeah things yeah. happen they they all call each other okay yeah, yeah. And, and you know they all sort of know each other work together and of course they're the lone tank standing at the end but the there is a tank battle in it which i think is absolutely and i mean even everybody i know says that that actual tank mm -hmm. to tank battle is you know the 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 best thing ever and they actually yeah. borrowed a real tiger tank yeah, from bobbington the only the only running tiger tank and and I saw a little thing in the extras, and it was saying about uh, they had to go in with, you know, they, they had to go in with like covers on their shoes and things. They weren't allowed to get it muddy. Yeah. So yeah. in the actual, so although the thing comes out, isn't it? yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a you know tiger tank, which yeah. was. Uh, Sorry, I, yeah. Yeah, so it is. I, I just I, love this movie. No, 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 I could hear it, but I could hear that you love the film. Because uh, I'll just, just say that oh, Mo, when you're saying about them covering their shoes and everything, I, I actually have a friend who worked on this movie. Wow. Yeah. Really? He, yeah, he worked on this movie. So he does like um, all the rain effects and stuff. Yeah. So he's worked on some pretty big films. He yeah. said he actually told me that he was on he was working on some film recently and he he was working on some film recently and there was this massive explosion that he looked around 
and it was the Star Wars set for Star Wars Episode Eight. Wow. And they just blown something up. And he said that he said that, yeah, it was just right there. I could have turned around and filmed it, and I could have put it up online, but it just wasn't worth it because I probably have gone fired. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah so, that's it. And he said that he um that he he had a bit where he had to get this like you know all this water out because for a lot of the battlefields are quite muddy and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so he was the one who had to like wet all the battlefields. And he said he actually had Brad Pitt yell at him. He had Bradford yell at him because he he got too much water on his shoes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so wow. so the way you said like having to go to attack, having to go to attack and cover their feet, so I just kind of thought, oh yeah, that yeah. reminds me of John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's cool working on working on Fury. I mean, but that yeah, that scene is and I mean the one scene? thing that your favorite scene is the, the tank battle. Is I, it? Oh, I don't know. It's just I, I yeah, love them too all. Many I love it's too many. Um, but. In this tank battle, I remember my, the, the one probably one of the one questions apart from him was my dad said, "Oh, you know, I thought German tanks were supposed to be much better than that. I mean, they take out the tanks, obviously, but like I said to him, you you got to think this was late on in the war. Most of the most of the the tank crews, the German tank crews, same with their pilots, were really really inexperienced. They didn't have so much experience, and you actually see when the 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 tank crew get out of the German tank that they are quite young. Yeah, they're oh, all I youngsters. Think. So they're all, all youngsters. Well, know. at that point in the war, often you find in, you had the Wehrmacht and you also had some of the Hitler youth and they had all these, they were all like pulled in to well, the, the well, final. Well, there's that scene in the town, isn't there? Yeah. Where, where, where they get the little, which is just children, isn't it? Girls yeah. and boys, children. He goes, and, oh, is he the guy who's been, you know, <laughs> and, and you see all these children come out, don't they? And some of them must only be like, like, Eight, yeah. seven, eight they years old, and they, they've all got Ger- German uniforms on, and they're all coming out with like their hands up and stuff. Yeah. So, so, so with this, I mean, obviously nowadays when you get like a World War Two movie, it's got to be like, uh, does it show you? Do you the way you're talking about it, Sean? You're speaking almost like it's showing you a bit of that you hadn't a bit that you hadn't seen before, or like it, it focuses on area of the war, or focuses on a on a certain thing, like you talk about the sort of claustrophobia of like a close-knit group of people yeah, I think and all you see is what they know and nothing else. Yeah, yeah. As I say, it's that mi- microcosm thing of the intensity of battle and the relationship that forms with the people in the tank. And and those are the sort of films I love, you know, Magnificent mm-hmm. Seven, um, Wild Bunch, all those, because I've been in situations sometimes where it's been quite intense. Yep. And you do, you know, after after you've been through a period of intense excitement, you know, you do laugh, you do make jokes, even if it's, you know, <laughs> you you do. and and I mean, there's some scenes in the tank, which which I like at the end. We're saying about War Daddy and everything else. But they say to this young guy, don't they? He goes, hey, I've got your name. War Machine. Machine. <laughs> yeah. And that's so they get actually name him, don't they? They oh, name so him they're, Machine. They're, so is that kind of like a final acceptance? Except, yeah, 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 that's say, his belonging. Hey, man, this guy's... <laughs> I know. Hey, that's it. That's his war name, Machine. <laughs> yeah. So, so because you got yeah, that's um, it's great. It is really. Oh, oh and there's the scene, and it's in the. Tra- he's like the one of the the driver is like a Mexican, and he starts speaking a bit of Spanish, and he goes, "Oh, Brad Pitt goes, hey, this is an American tank. If you want to speak Mexican, join a Mexican tank." <laughs> uh, yeah. Top top film, real, real top. All right, good stuff. Now, from the soundtrack of Fury, we have a track called Norman. Um, I'll find out who is written by by the time we come back. Norman Machine, that's his name, isn't it? Who is it? That's Norman, yeah. I love that. I I think it's just a masterpiece. That's right. I mean, I. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's the track Norman by Stephen Price from the soundtrack of Fury. Oh, yeah, I was just saying to Sharon, I could just that's one film like, like Zulu. I could just I, I could watch that forever. And as I was saying that there's quite a few. I know most of the the screenplay, most of the dialogue. But, uh, um, you know, I mean, there was a lot have, of have you got have you got this film on DVD by any chance? Um, I did have now TV for a while, but I, the description just run out. But it was on now TV and I, I just used to put it on like nearly every night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good stuff. Best man. job. <laughs> Best job. <laughs> Best job ever. <laughs> yeah, and say what else. Yeah, no, it is. It's uh, Best job totally, ever. Had. I would suggest. I mean, I would really, really like you to see this film because I'd really, really like your opinion on it. You may not like it. I don't know how you no, are. No, films. I have been. I've been trying to track it down for a while. I've been trying to find out where I can watch it without paying too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's like. So I've been looking on Netflix. I've been looking on Amazon. Uh, I've been, uh, and it's not showing up on any one of those things. It's, I think it, it, it's it might on be now on TV. Movie. I think it's yeah. Sky Movies and now TV because. Yeah. Because that's the one thing. You'll have to find somebody with a Now TV subscription. Yeah. So actually, oh, I do know somebody with a Now TV subscription. But, but check it out and let me know. And it's, I mean, I mean, it's not so much the battle scenes. I mean, I love the battle scenes, but it's the the relationship between. Yeah, it, it, everything I've heard seems to be like that's a that's a massive thing. It's like a relationship between men at war, oh, who have, yeah. and and what happens what happens then. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we are out of time. So we just want to say thank you to Brenda and Mary for being here with us. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sharon, for joining us. Thank you to Dan and thank you to Glenn who suggested movies for us through Facebook that we could watch. And uh, in the meantime, get well soon. Uh, listen to your doctor. And remember, as always, they, they don't, don't make, make them like, like they, they used to. to.